How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who share their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table, because this is Business Lunch with Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time, we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. Hey everybody, Roland Frazier here. And today we're talking about why do you need and how can you benefit from a business plan. So a lot of people ask about business plans and um, it's really kind of interesting. Business plans used to be a whole lot different than they are right now, because it used to be that we're gonna write a 10 year business plan for our business and uh, we're gonna follow that. And then we're gonna assume that things aren't gonna change a whole lot. And this is gonna be the kind of a one-time thing. We're gonna write this and then we're gonna execute and follow it and all will be happy with the world. What we found through hundreds of businesses that we have owned and advised is that business plans don't really last that long. So when you go to plan for for a business and you're trying to create some plan that's gonna be even a three-year plan, it's just too long. It's just not going to probably work out that way. And your financial projections are going to be, you know, of course, they're always up and to the right. They're, they're, well, we're going to start here and then we're going to have crazy high growth. But how many businesses actually do that? Well, I can tell you that the 90% of businesses that start and fail did not have failure in their business plan. So that's like stuff happens. Entrepreneurship is hard. Business is challenging. Things are going to get thrown at you all the time and it never stops. Good news, right? But the rewards obviously are, we entrepreneurs have decided that those rewards are significantly better than the challenges and the headaches and the hassles uh, that come with it, which is one reason it's really good to go into a business that you like. So the first thing is that business plan can be used as a tool to help you understand your business better. So rather than saying, we're really gonna focus on, this is stuff that we're gonna do for the next 10 years, I think that having a time horizon that is much more reasonable, which would be one year and three years, and then breaking that down quarter by quarter. In our scalable operating system, we break this down into quarters and we say, what are the big three things? Like we first will say, what's the theme? for this quarter. So the theme for this quarter might be increase customer satisfaction or serve the customer better. That's a great one, right? So 
If that's our theme for the quarter, then we're going to say, okay, let's brainstorm in our quarterly strategic meeting. We hold a meeting once a quarter to do this ahead of the next quarter. We just held three of ours recently, and I've got one more this week that we'll be holding. And in that, we uh, we pick our theme. The executive team meets. We pick our, t- our uh, theme that's going to be for this quarter. And so let's say that it's serve our customer better. Then we'll say, okay, well then, what are the three big pillars that we're going to pick to help us achieve this goal, this overarching goal for the quarter of serving our customer better? One pillar might be, in that case, let's increase customer satisfaction. Let's implement customer satisfaction monitoring. So how would we do that? There's several tools for doing that. There's a, a C. SAT score, which is CSAT stands for customer satisfaction. You can Google that and check it out. Basically on a one to 10, how happy are you with our business? That's the question that's asked. And then we see how many people are happy and how many aren't. And that gives us an idea of what percentage of customers are satisfied. If eight out of 10 people rank us an eight, then we're kind of like at an 80% satisfaction. If eight out of 10 people rank us as a two, then we're, we're not doing a good job, right? Now, the more sophisticated approach to that is something called NPS. So that's net promoter score. And the net promoter score is something that we manage. And it was something that was created by uh, Bain, which is a big fancy consulting group. And they said, well, really the question we should be asking isn't how happy are you? It's how likely would you be to recommend our business to a friend? And that's really smart because it tells us how likely is our business to grow? Like, is the customer ha- so happy that they would actually recommend us to a friend? This is why I call it net promoter score. Are they going to become a promoter for us? And the way that it scores is if if on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being I'm most likely to recommend and one being I'm least likely, then what it does is it says the nines and tens, the people that say I'm nine out of 10 likely to or recommend or 10 out of 10, those are considered promoters. The people who are anywhere between one and six one and six, they're considered detractors. They're actually going to tell people, hey, I mean, I don't think I'd go there. You know, what do you think of that restaurant? Eh, it's not that good. Somebody said that today, right? They're like, oh, the food's really not that good. That's a detractor. So they're actually going to be negatively promoting your business. And the people who are at seven and eight are considered neutral. And so you divide one by the other, and that gives us a net promoter score. That's a pretty good way of managing things. And so in our ability to think about creating this business plan and thinking with the specificity of what do we want to have happen in three years and what do we want to have happen in one year and what do we want to have happen each quarter to get us to that one year and each year to get us to that three year, you're really learning a lot about your business and where the weaknesses are. Because to set a good business plan, you have to have this meeting with your executives, with your top team, and you have to have discussions about hard questions like, what is our goal? Where do we want to get? And how are we going to get there? And then you start saying like in in our meeting that we just had, we picked a financial target for the quarter. And then the next question is, okay, how do we get there? And it's not, well, let's just hope that it works out. It's actually, let's sit here and talk about what are the campaigns that we're going to launch to make this happen. And what we found was that we, with the campaigns that we were planning on launching during Q1, which is the the planning meeting that we were in for quarter one, um, there was a gap of a few hundred thousand dollars between the goal that we had all set together and where 
our promotions and calendar of um, things we were going to do to get there were likely to result in. So then we knew in advance through this planning, we knew about our business that we did not have a promotional schedule that was likely to help us hit the goal we all agreed that we wanted to hit. So then we had to go back and say, okay, what can we do to fill the gap? And I think a lot of, a lot of the benefit of business planning is that it, it shows you where those gaps are. Now, the business plan that you're going to write, if you just write it one time, is not going to do that because it's not considered interactive. Modern day business plans typically come as part of some sort of operating system. So ours is called the Scalable Operating System or SOS. There's another one called Entrepreneur's or Entrepreneurial Operating System uh, called EOS, which is uh, Gino Wickman and Vern Harnish has his. There's, there's a few of them. But having one that is dynamic that has the interaction and the ability to expand or contract or change based on customer feedback, executive feedback, employees situation, and, and the market conditions generally is really important. And those things are changing all the time. Imagine if you did a pl business plan in 2019, that was your three-year plan and you had no idea and you were, let's say a hotel. Well, you had no idea that COVID was going to come along and cause no one to be able to travel for a period of time and extremely limit the ability of international travelers to come, including entire countries that might be shut down like Australia. Maybe you catered to Australian clients and you're got, you've got a hotel that's in the United States. You're kind of screwed because they ain't letting nobody leave, or at least if they leave, they're on this ridiculous quarantine to get back. That is not the way that you want to do business planning. So thinking about an interactive business plan is really important. Now, in terms of how does it really help you understand how your company's put together? Well, some of the components of the business plan include who is going to occupy what positions. So that means that we kind of need to understand what is the organizational structure of our company and who's going to be reporting to whom in that structure. That's generally done through something called an organizational chart or org chart. That's a little diagram and the CEO sits at the top and then we've got our key executive team and then people under them. It's important to have that though, because now by seeing that the people in the company know who they report to and who has the right to tell them what they should do in their job. And they also have their job title and they also have their job description laid out there. The next thing is that the business plan typically has an overview of the current market conditions. And so it's going to tell us this is the size of the market. This is our TAM or our total addressable market. We have Airbnb would say we have uh I think it started out there were 30 million was their total addressable market. And then after they met with their VCs and started thinking about it, it became 30 billion. And, and that's important because that process helped them see that the market was much bigger than they thought it was. And the service offering that they had and the structure of setting things up needed to be different than they initially conceived because in thinking about this business plan, they realized that to get the funding they wanted and actually get to where they wanted to go, they had to do much, much bigger things. And so that's really helpful. Also, typically a business plan will say, here's our vision and here's where we're going. That makes you think about that. You have to articulate it after you've thought about it, right? So thinking through that, thinking about what your financial goals are as well is going to help you make adjustments and thinking about what your budget is, is going to help you figure out how much money 
do we need to have to move forward to accomplish our goals? And when will the money run out? And when do we have to have revenue and profits from the business surpass expenses so that we actually won't run out of money and stop being able to do this? So the business plan helps with all of those things. It's definitely a good thing to have. Just be sure that you understand it's dynamic and it requires quarterly analysis and feedback and modification to actually be effective. The next thing would be a business plan allows you to monitor uh, progress and to hold yourself and the company accountable. Now, in this case, your business plan has laid out what your financial projections are and what some of your other goals, which might be soft goals. Like you may say, we want to impact 1,000 businesses by helping them double their sales, or we want to improve the so, uh, improve the conditions for animals in shelters across the United States or wh whatever. When you have committed to documenting your goals in a business plan, financially and service-wise, growth-wise, all of those things, you now have baselines that are benchmarks you can measure your actual performance against. So you've got financial projections that say, you're going to hit $10 million, right? Well, if you don't hit the $10 million, then you get to be held accountable to yourself, if it's you, to your team who's helping you have this vision of where we're going to go with this business, to your CEO, to the people that are running the company, also to the board of directors who are responsible for electing the CEO and the other people who are in the company and to the shareholders and owners of the company, as well as the world at large. So accountability becomes possible because the business plan forces you to articulate what you're going to do and when you're going to do it by. And now with that articulated, it becomes the measurement focus where we can see how close did we come to what we had as our targets. It also helps you in terms of are we advancing towards our overall mission? Because we say what our overarching mission is in the business plan as well. And so you can say, you know, gosh, we failed. Our, you know, Google's initial one was do no evil. And a lot of people are like, well, that didn't last very long, right? And so the people at Google can look at that and say, are we bad? Like, are we actually doing no evil? Because there's an awful lot of people out there that say, that are saying we are. Are we being true to this thing that we stated in our initial business plan as our mission, we're darn sure hitting our financial projections and exceeding them, but are we sacrificing our underlying desire to be good while we're doing that? And if we find that we are straying a bit from that underlying mission, are we going to hold ourselves accountable to say, you know what, maybe we don't need to make quite so much profit and maybe we can be more good? or less evil. So that's really kind of a good thing about business plans, being able to hold yourself accountable. And that's a, a very big trending topic right now. I talked about ESG in another video that people are more and more wanting companies to be responsible for the ESG components of environment, social impact, and governance. And so your business plan can help you see, are you really focused on things in addition to just profit that are important out in the world right now. So that's a really cool thing about how you can use that to monitor uh, your progress and hold yourself accountable. The next is how can a business plan be used 
as a sales and recruiting tool and a retention tool. So here's what's cool about having a business plan. When you are talking to potential employees, particularly now, because we're going through this thing called this great resignation and there's millions of people that are just walking away from their jobs. Many of them are walking away from their jobs to go to jobs that pay more because a lot of there's a lot more competition for good employees right now. And so a lot of that great resignation is they're resigning to go and up level someplace else. But uh, a lot of those people are also going into business and, and they're going to need people to help them. So what happens when you are trying to get employees in a market that is favorable to employees because there's not enough of them and there's a lot of competition for them is that the businesses that have articulated something about their mission, something about where they're going, what their goals are, how they're going to get there, who are the people in the company, what do they believe in, what's, you know, what are all the things that are important to the company, they can share that information with prospective employees and that looks, number one, like they got their act together because a lot of companies don't. And so if you are competing in a, in a thin pool of employees to try to get good people at reasonable prices, then the fact that you've got documentation that you can say, hey, look, this is what we do. Here's something you can read. This is all about our business. This is where we've been. This is where we're going. Here are the key people. This is our vision. This is our mission. That's really appealing to people because one thing that people like is certainty. And if they come into a company and they, they're interviewing for a job and they say, well, tell me about the company. So, well, we sell widgets. You know, okay, well, that's cool. I guess, you know, that's great. And they come into another one. They say, we sell widgets to people who ride horses and those widgets help them to overcome a lot of really significant challenges they've got. One thing that was part of our focus in creating this product is that a lot of horses were suffering damage as a result of the way that the equipment was being put on the horses. And so what we've done is we've invented something that does it differently. So we're actually out. Our mission is to help save 10,000 horses over the next 24 months because so many of them have had to be put down because of these challenges that were happening as a result of improper equipment. And so not only that, it improves the overall experience for the people that are riding the horse and it creates a bond between the horse and the rider, blah, blah, blah. Well, that is a whole lot more compelling then we just want to sell a whole bunch of stuff to people for money to make profit, right? So you can use your plan, your business plan as a recruiting tool and also as a retention tool. It also will help you recruit the right people. It's a filter to filter out the people that don't fit. We use a thing called a We Believe video in all of our businesses. So we create a statement of what we believe to be true and what we believe about our businesses. And and that value system in a video is shown to every prospective employee when they come in to interview. So they know we believe that it's okay to say the way things are. We believe that you should be authentic. We believe like that's a powerful thing to communicate to people. And it actually really helps you get rid of the people that aren't right and get the people into your company who are right and competing with other people who don't share that kind of transparency, that's, you know, that's a pretty big advantage. The next thing would be, how can you uh, use your business plan to help you review your uh, value proposition and your operating plan and your financials? So I talked about this a little bit before, but the business plan has several sections. And so um, it's very good 
if you haven't thought about this, to think about what is my value proposition? So what is it that we do for our customer and the world at large that we do well, that we hopefully do better than anybody else, and ideally that we do in a differentiated way so that we are in fact doing it differently than other people. Now, hopefully the difference means that we perform better or more efficiently or more effectively. Either we do it faster or we'd get it done more completely, or it confers other benefits that we are articulating. So, so understanding what your value proposition is, is something that a lot of business owners don't ever think about. And so they just think, and I, I like making coffee, so I'm going to open a coffee shop. Where are you going to open? I'm going to open it downtown because that's where I live. Well, well, okay, there's 20 Starbuckses down there and 40 other coffee shops. So why are you doing that, right? What's the value you're going to bring? Well, I'm going to provide coffee to people that want coffee. I mean, I don't know that that's good enough, right? I mean, could you open the shop? Sure. And will you get some walk-in business? Sure. But did you think about it? right? Did you think about what you might do differently? Well, maybe my value proposition is that most of coffee shops open at 7 a.m., but I know that there's law firms and investment bankers down there in that area, and they all are coming into work around five. So I'm going to open earlier, and therefore I'll, be, I'll have better hours than other people. So my value proposition is that I'm going to have better hours. Yeah, but then what if the people that have those other coffee shops expand their hours? Well, here's the thing is that our, they're sourcing their coffee from Kenya and from these African and South American countries, and a lot of them aren't doing in a sustainable way. So we're going to provide sustainable coffee, and we're also going to give the people in our shops information about the people in those other countries that we're buying from and how we are helping those people to create sustainable, environmental-friendly coffee and uh, operations and also how we're training them to hire other people and it's doing good in the local communities or maybe your value proposition is we're having we're a hundred percent u.s coffee making company and we have all of our stuff grown here in the u.s of a and you know and it's a nationalistic uh, kind of uh, prospect or maybe you've got a loyalty program that's better than anybody else or maybe people make their own coffee there um, and it's a whole bunch of coffee machines and that's different right but what is the the daggone thing that you do differently than everybody else that's really important and your business plan will help you articulate that and then you should be asking yourself and the people who you're giving your business plan to and having them review it should be saying Okay, so I see the see the thing that's different here. Or, hey, I, I tell me what's different about you than everybody else. Why do, does this company deserve to exist? That's really the question. So that's that's the value proposition in terms of the operating plan. But the operating plan is laid out in the business. So, and as I mentioned, we like to do that quarterly, and then you can measure how you're doing from quarter to quarter by referring back to your business plan from the prior quarters and say, hey, generally. We're always over-optimistic when we do this. We always think we're going to grow faster. We aren't ever thinking about supply. We're not thinking about how the labor shortage is affecting us. We're not thinking about challenges with the supply chain. And therefore, we should adjust our operating plan going forward because we've consistently fallen short. Or maybe you consistently overachieve. We've consistently hit above our operating result projections every single quarter for the last 14 quarters. 
chances are we're sandbagging. And so we should raise our expectations and raise our targets because we can actually do more than we think we can do. And so it'll help you understand the strengths or weaknesses in your plan of operations as you do it. Hey, Business Such listeners, we're going to get right back to the show. But Roland wanted me to invite you to a brand new training that he's doing on acquiring businesses with no money out of pocket. It's something that he's talked quite a bit about on the show, but he's doing a free training where he's going to walk through the entire process. So if you want to get access to that, go to businesslunchpodcast.com slash epic. That's businesslunchpodcast.com slash epic, and you can get signed up. If you're regularly doing a business plan and you've got projections, you'll be able to say, hey, we're hitting our projections within 5% plus or minus year after year. Now, there's a really big advantage to this one. The other two are primarily internal or, or non-specific, like they're just general good things that you can think about. Are we doing good in the world? But with financials, when you are looking for either capital from investors, when you're looking to exit your company, to sell it to somebody else, or you're looking for credit from lenders to grow, the ability to hit your financial projections that you've put in your business plan consistently will have a huge impact on your ability to access money. Okay. So money and credit, because you'll be able to go to the bankers that are making decisions about credit and lending, and you'll be able to say, here are our projections for the next 12 months. And by the way, we've been 98% accurate in our projections for the past four years. Well, that's going to give them tremendous confidence that you're going to hit your projections for the next 12 months, right? And that their investment of money through a loan to you and the risk is going to be pretty, pretty low. Therefore, the interest rate will be low and you'll get the loan. That's really important in that situation. In terms of someone who's coming in as an investor or someone who's coming in as a buyer, then you're going to be arguing about what's the valuation of your company. And the valuation is typically going to turn to a large extent on the revenue and profits of the company. So typically, if you haven't done any kind of budgeting process, you're going to be judged and valued on TTM or trailing 12 months of profitability. So they're going to look at your TTM, your trailing 12 months of profitability. And let's say that that works out to a million dollars. And then they're going to look at the average comparable companies that have sold that are like yours, similar size, similar area of the world ge geographically and similar customers and industry. And they're going to say, okay, well, businesses like this typically sell for a multiple of five times EBITDA. Your EBITDA or profit is a million dollars. So five times a million dollars is $5 million. Your, your company's worth 5 million. That's what we'll pay you for. But if you had instead meticulously kept track of your financial numbers through your business plan and your comparison of your actual results to your projected results over time were 98% accurate or 95% accurate, then it's very possible that you can argue successfully that your projections for the next 12 months is really what the valuation should be based on, that you're already headed in the direction to hit those. And our certainty of hitting them is whatever your certainty, whatever your accuracy was previously. So now I'm 98 or 95% certain that I'm going to hit this and it's going to take us to 2 million. Our projections show that we're going to go from a million now to 2 million over the next 12 months. And therefore, 
your valuation should be based on forward-looking projections, and that would make it twice, twice what it is currently. And maybe you're growing even faster, and it's going to be five times or 10 times or 20 times, or maybe you're growing a little bit slower, and it's going to be 50% more, but 50% more is a lot, right? So the business plan helps you look at all of those things. And then last but not least, business plan can be used to attract future prospects for selling your business. So when we're looking at a business, uh, when we're getting a business ready to sell, we typically want to start that process two to three years before the actual marketing of the business for sale happens. And I've sold a lot of businesses. I got uh, a couple I'm in the process of right now. I'm in the middle of negotiations for one. And within the next 30 days, I'm headed out overseas to someone, to a company that wants to buy a company of ours as well. So like, this is something I do very, very regularly. And when I'm talking to people who have a business that they want to sell, one of the first things I say is we're going to have to put together a deck and that's an information, basically an information PowerPoint or presentation about the business. And if we've already got a business plan that we can draw from, I can get that deck put together super, super fast. If they've never done a business plan, it's really hard. Now, one of the things that the, the one of the first things after they get the deck that a prospective buyer of your business is going to ask for is what's the business plan. And that means that they're going to want to know what does the market look like? Where do you see yourself sitting in the market right now compared to the top three to five competitors? Who are those competitors and how are they doing and what are they doing and what percentage of the market do they have versus you? What's your operational plan to move forward and gain more market share and achieve growth on a continuing basis for the next several years? How much room is there for you to grow? Who are the people at your company who have helped you do what you've done so far and are those people capable of seeing this company through to its next level of growth or have they never done this before? Have they seen the success that you are saying the company is going to achieve or are they just kind of learning as they go? How deep is your management team? If somebody leaves, does that mean the company falls apart? How key are you to the company? What is your plan for hiring more people? What is your plan for measurement of growth? What are the KPIs, the key performance indicators that you use to track performance of the business? How close is the actual performance of the business that you have to the projected business that you have said that you were going to get in the past? Because that's going to be an indicator to me as a buyer as to how, I, how much I should pay for the company. What are the risks that you see that are facing the companies? What are the biggest opportunities? that you see? How much farther can we grow? How much blue sky is left in this company? Are we at 98% market penetration or 8%, right? Are we a leader among our competitors? What is the culture of the company? Does this culture match the culture of my company that is buying your company? All of these are questions that a buyer is going to ask, and they're going to want to see this in some documented form, not just you think it's going to be good stuff in the future. So when you're thinking about selling your company, you can give a buyer greater confidence that there will be a continuity of personnel and a continuity of financial performance and operational success in the company going forward under their ownership 
if you have a business plan and particularly if you've had a business plan for the past few years, that's going to be very, very helpful. And so the less risk that a buyer perceives that they have when they acquire your company, the higher the valuation they're going to give you because valuation is all about risk. What is the performance of the company and what is the risk that it will not continue to perform or that it will not continue to overperform what it's performed in the past? And if you can't convince the buyer that the company has its act together through having a very solid operating system and business plan, then it won't be able to give you or they won't be able to give you as high a valuation as you might otherwise get. And therefore, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. So having that business valuation can be tremendously helpful. So these are several of the ways that having a business plan can really help you be more successful with your business. You've been listening to Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. If you're enjoying the show, let us know by subscribing and leaving a review. And for more information, go to businesslunchpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. What if three days could change the course of your business in 2023? Get Scalable Live is where you'll gain great clarity on the next steps that will help you create the business, life, and wealth you deserve. Connect with business owners and entrepreneurs just like you, hungry for advice, proven strategies, and necessary connections to grow a business. Literally, million-dollar conversations are happening in the hallways, in the bathrooms, across tables. Get Scalable Live at Fairmont Austin, November 2nd through 4th. Tickets are on sale now at GetScalableLive.com.